If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to First Strike here on VEASAN. Dave Ross here at Circa. Beautiful Circa Sportsbook here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Going to be joined by Lou Finicaro, Matt Arnold Moments, Jordan Sherwood in Chicago, Dan Vreeland up there in Boston, and Reed Kuhn in Washington, D.C. As we break down this card featuring Sadiq Youssef against Edson Jr. Barbosa. But without further ado... Let's get to the man. You can follow him on Twitter at GamLou. He is the one and only Lou Finnecaro. Lou, great to have you aboard on this Tuesday because we always try to find value early in the week before we get to the fights on Saturday, my friend. When you look at Sadiq Youssef against Edson Barbosa, you, you look at it and you go, well, Edson Barbosa is just a guy we trust in the betting market. He's an underdog again to Sadiq Youssef. At some point, you would think Father Time would start to show. What do you make of the main event? And do you think this is the time that it starts to show for Edson Barbosa? Well, first of all, Dave, as always, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, as far as uh, Yusuf is concerned and really uh, how he's going to stand to compete with our friend Edson, uh, I think your question hits the point of the matter directly. And that is, at 37 years old, Edson Barboza, who uh, went through wars at 155 against bigger men, then made a transition to 45, has found great success there. But now at 37 years old, fighting younger, fresher, quicker, stronger, more violent and explosive warriors, when does that become counterproductive? And I think it becomes counterproductive in this fight. Right now, we're seeing about plus $1.40 right now in the comeback on Junior Siddiq Yusuf right now, minus $1.66. So, again, you look at the age difference, and that's normally one of the first tales of the tape there is seven years junior here for Siddiq Yusuf, only with those two losses. What style? Because you look at the, the, the reach advantage here for Junior and the two-inch height advantage. We know he wants to stay in range. That's what Edson Barbosa does. He's got – Lethal leg kicks, spinning kicks, a variety of attacks that he can use. For Yusuf, is this as, as much as I got to get inside and make this dirty and maybe even possibly we know Edson Barbosa does not necessarily want the fight to go down to the ground? I think the key to Yusuf 
uh, Dave, honestly, is some patience, hmm. uh, I, I, especially early when he's going to, you know, have electricity coming out of his eardrums. <laughs> I, I think that's when he wants to stay the course and try and maybe back Barboza up and force the fight on him. But I think the key to Yusuf is that this is a five-round fight. Let's take advantage of a 37-year-old warrior and at least make him tax himself a little bit. I would be very cautious if I was Yusuf early. You don't want to get reckless against a guy in Barboza that's as grizzled, as experienced, and as capable still at 37 years old. You can't disrespect the guy. So I think Yusuf, uh, I think his plan has to be, let's make sure that this fight starts three and goes beyond because that's when I think everything changes in Sudik's favor. And there it is, and you nailed it right in the head there, the prop watch here for the total rounds. And at three and a half rounds, if you believe the patience can be served here by the younger fighter and Sadiq Yusuf, you can get plus money right now over three and a half rounds. Now, Barbosa, you're right. Sometimes the older guys, they don't they don't get paid by the minute. They want to get in and possibly do their damage. KRTK or DQ for Edson's side is plus ninety, which is not that off of what his right now plus forty just to win the fight by any fashion. So if you have a correlated play here that if you like Yusuf, that you might lean towards that over at plus money at plus twenty-five. Dave, that's how I think it goes, but I'm not willing to dilute a strong play on Yusuf, what I believe is a strong position on Yusuf, with a position I'm not so sure about on the total. So I won't get so strong as to make a correlation. I will say I do think this is Yusuf's fight, provided he gets uh, Edson into that third round and, and saps his energy a little bit, and then I think anything can happen. Love it. Again, you're, the stronger play for you would just be on the side of the favorite here, which has not gotten out of hand here at sixty-six. Very quickly, though, with that fight script, if people did want to get a little bit juicy at some plus money on a prop for the Yusuf side, you look at the sub price at five to one, which feels like the bigger long shot via decision where you could outpoint possibly Edson Barbosa plus 265, but almost the same price tag there for KOTK or DQ, which I think in your eyes, if that happens, it happens late. Is there any on the prop side for the favorite that you would lean towards? Yeah, yes, I do believe that it's logical and plausible that in those championship rounds, Sadiq, with his explosiveness and, and quickness and youth, catches Barbos. I, I believe that. I tend to be a little more conservative, and rather than just TKO, KO, or D, uh, oh, KO, TKO, DQ is plus 250. Mm -hmm. I like it when they add sub in there. So at DraftKings, it's KO submission or DQ, meaning any inside the distance, it, that'll take it down from plus 250 a little bit, but that's where I would go on the Sudik side if I was going to get cute. I tend to be a little more conservative and don't bet via submission or KO as much. Boy, if I had a dollar for every time I've been burned by the right side, wrong method of victory, that's why inside the distance to lose point. Sometimes you're not going to get the same juice that you're going to get here at these plus prices at 250 or 265. Very astute observations, so look for those inside the distance props here. Uh, maybe not on the favorite side here for Sadiq Yusuf. Let's go to the flyweight division here for the co-main event and Jennifer Maya, uh, two veterans out here right now in uh, certainly Viviani Araujo against Jennifer Maya. Both women now, 35, 36. We've got a lot of data points on both of these women. Araujo right now is the underdog at plus 
four we're seeing here uh, for this 125-pound clash. What do you make of this? And again, for potentially three rounds in the co-main event, they tend to go the distance here, and then you got to take the scorecards into account potentially. How do you view this flyweight bout? Uh, I, I view this as a great stylistic matchup, basically between uh, striker, uh, a boxer, precision striker in Maya against uh, forward plotting power strike and striker in Arujo. And I think that's how the fight's going to play out. I, I'm a little surprised at the line in this fight, to be quite honest. I uh, handicap Maya to be quite a bit uh, more than a minus 148 favorite. I don't handicap her to the extent that I think this fight ends in any kind of finish. I'm not going to get silly. Uh, but I like Maya. I like her a lot, and I like her via decision. All right, so Maya via decision, so you don't have to lay that dollar forty-eight, turn that into plus money there. Uh, that's where Lou's going to go here. For it does feel like the propensity to go all three, and that's why it's juice two and a half, uh, certainly to the over. You know, after last week, what we saw with uh, the the new Bobby Knuckles there and Bobby Green, King Green getting a, a shocking knockout. He was a huge underdog. Most of these fights we're seeing this week are much more evenly aligned, if you will, in the pricing market here, and that's also true with Adrian Yanez against Jonathan Martinez here. So Yanez. A small favorite in this one, but again, very closely aligned that we're seeing here on a Tuesday. What's your take on this fight here with Yanez right now, Lou? I'm seeing uh, minus a dollar eight and Martinez minus a dollar twelve. So very, very close. Very, very close. Really awesome matchmaking. In Martinez, you got a guy that's won like five in a row. He tends to be very. Um, uh, he, he, you can hardly get a word out of the guy. The guy's like silent Jonathan Martinez. and <laughs> But you can't take that for a lack of fighting acumen because the guy's a killer in there. Maybe a little more premeditated, uh, a little more deliberate, very experienced. Yanez, on the other hand, uh, just coming off a loss to Font. I think that plays heavily into Yanez's position here as he enters off the bounce. He's going to be... Even though these guys are physically similar, uh, Martinez is a lefty, but Yanez is going to be the more athletic, quicker, more uh, deft striker. Perhaps Martinez, the more well-rounded athlete. I used Yanez in a parlay last week that failed because I was certain that uh, Grant Dawson was going to just roll right through Bobby Green, and I didn't respect Bobby Green and whenever a handicapper doesn't respect a fighter in the UFC, you get egg on your face like I did. <laughs> so now I'm not into the bet, into the Yanez side. And I think that maybe that's fortunate because the more I look at this fight, the more I see capability in Martinez. This is fight of the night and too close for me to call right now. Uh, guilty as charged as well. <laughs> I, I was with you on the Grant Dawson side. And again, you see some of those eye-popping numbers like we saw last week. You go, wow, what's the pathway? I don't think anybody saw that coming for Bobby Green to starch Grant Dawson the way he did. But I love the way you phrased that there. Respect in the betting market. And certainly there was not a lot there last week uh, on the Bobby Green side. That is evident. And I'm with you. I think this Martinez-Yanez fight could be uh, fight of the night possibilities here. When you look down the card, I wonder if there's any fights here on a Tuesday, Lou, that really grab your attention. One that grabs mine a little bit is the damages back in there and Darren Elkins against TJ Brown. Brown right now over a $2 betting favorite. You know, Darren Elkins is one of those guys he just bleeds. I mean, even in the picture that, that Britton Hess and Rob Moreno have, have shown, that's Darren Elkins uh, to a T. Is the damage going to do damage to TJ Brown here? 
And that's a picture of Elkins, and somebody just sneezed on him there. He hasn't been in a fight in that picture, folks. <laughs> but Elkins is going to bleed. He's durable. He's tough. He's unrelenting. And he's got a, I think, opponent made for him. I've never been too impressed with Brown. Yeah, he's younger. Yeah, he's tough. Uh, he's had some success. But I think Elkins is live in this fight. I'll overlook his age. I like the durability, and I like Elkins probably in some kind of a decision. But don't uh, put it past him to finish Brown. I've never been. It's a little bit of a fade of Brown and a little bit of support of Darren Elkins. All right. Got to check out the Bout Business podcast every Friday. Lou's going to have a very quick synopsis of the fights and give you those winners as he does each and every week. Lou, appreciate you as always. Give him a follow on X at Gamble as well. When we come back, Jordan Sherwood joins the program. We're going to Chicago next here on First Strike. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and features for all MMA events. Eligible restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. I am Dave Ross here in Las Vegas. We are now going to the great city of Chicago to catch up with our guy Jordan Sherwood. Follow him on X at Wood on ESPN 1000. And let's just start it off with, let's get the elephant out of the room. Bears are back, baby. You got to win. You're rocking the Bears on, on your lapel there. I mean, how is the city of Chicago feeling, Jordan? You, you, I wish everybody got to experience Friday uh, last week because Bears Friday was unbelievable <laughs> in the city of Chicago and ESPN 1000. The Bears could do no wrong. They're going to the Super Bowl. They're winning 16 games in a row. Boom. It does not matter. Um, no, let's, let's, be, let's be real and honest here. It was a nice win. They played extremely well. They got the monkey off their back, you know, 15 games in a row losing. But now reality sets in. They're still underdogs at home against a team that doesn't have their prolific wide receiver. So uh, we'll see. We're optimistic. If you put it, if you ask me to pick a winner, I'm saying the Bears will win on Sunday. 
but maybe there's a little bias in that in that selection. Maybe a money line selection there for for Jordan. But hey, celebrate Chicago. It's been over a year. You should celebrate uh, like it's 1999, as Prince once sang. Okay, let's get to another fighter that's close to the area of Chicago. He's in Indiana. Right. But I think you kind of we all know if you've ever lived downtown, you're not that far from the Indiana border. And that's the damage. Darren Elkins. And anytime he's a dog, boy, you go, TJ Brown. I don't know if I can back the favor over two dollar betting favorite against Darren Elkins. Now, you look at the age difference and maybe that gives you a little bit of pause for the damage because he's taken a ton of it in his career, even on his chest. Thirty nine years young against Brown, who's now just a young man at thirty three. What do you make of Darren Elkins at this stage of his career? I think we, we know who Darren Elkins is. He's a guy that's going to have a high motor. Uh, he's a guy that's going to be in your face. He's going to be bleeding profusely at some <laughs> point in the fight. Um, but if he could overwhelm you with the takedowns, uh, maybe score a little bit in the stand-up, he's going to have success, and he's going to have an opportunity late to, to win fights, steal rounds and, and win fights, and particularly in this case, cash as a dog. Um, I'm just surprised on how big of a favorite TJ Brown is. I mean, I've been a big fan of his. He's always in an exciting fight. He's always hunting for finishes. But I don't think that he should be a two, you know, two dollar, two fifteen favorite like I'm seeing in some books. Where because you know Darren Elkins, his relentlessness and the fact we have seen uh, TJ Brown succumb to takedowns, even Bill Elgio, you know, the last fight out, a guy that we know has a high motor. Uh, you know, uh, you know, probably a little bit more length in, in the stand-up than, than Darren Elkins was able to be successful and get T.J. Brown out of there in the second round. So for me, a, a, at the line that it's currently at, you have to take a hard look at Darren Elkins as a plus 170, 172 um, underdog. If that line comes down, maybe I understand it because T.J. Brown's explosive. Uh, Elkins is getting up there in age, as we just alluded to, Dave, and he could take some damage, no pun intended, uh, and get put out of there. But you got to look at stylistically. He's going to have an advantage there on the ground. You know, we're looking at some of these DraftKings numbers here. Win by finish is the one that hops out. And you mentioned T.J. Brown always looking for and hunting for said finishes, a plus $1.75. Elkins, the other side, plus three sixty five. Because, look, 10 to 1 for the damage to get him out of there, KOTKRDQ, shortened almost in half to plus 550 for a sub. If you like the dog, do you see this hitting the cards where he's plus 375, or do you look that maybe he can if he hurts T.J. Brown, gets it down to the ground, and looks for that sub? Is there a method of victory here, or are you just going to take the solid press price for Darren Elkins, and that gives you all the outs, including a decision? I Look, I, I think I alluded to it. So right now where it stands, straight money line is good because I think Darren Elkins can win a variety of – this fight a variety of his ways because of the pressure, the takedowns, and really also like the risk taker that T.J. Brown is might put himself in a precarious situation and allow Darren Elkins to get a takedown and, and get top mount position or, or hunt for the back. If the price goes down, if people are getting smart to the fact that Darren Elkins might be worth as a dog, then I think you look for the submission prop. Mm-hmm. Add a little sprinkle to that value because I could see Darren Elkins you know, being able to get a, get a takedown, get the back, get a, get a choke out uh, of T.J. Brown, a guy that we have, as we just saw, submitted uh, in his UFC career. I think that's a very astute observation and a better way to even look at that there if you're on the side of the dog as Jordan is here with Darren Elkins right now, plus $1.70. 
in the main event, it's very similar to what we're just talking about with T.J. Brown and Darren Elkins. The age discrepancy between Junior Barbosa here and Sadiq Youssef, it is close, right? Seven years, very similar to the fight we just talked about. So you get the older guy in Barbosa now as the dog, plus $1.40. And I mean, you can go back to the Habib fight with Junior Barbosa just not wanting to quit or give in. We know how tough he is. But Sadiq Yusuf here is a solid favorite at, at minus $1.66. Is youth going to be served here, or is Barbosa still dangerous at 37? Can it be, I mean, can it be both? Yeah. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not playing both sides here, uh, but I, I think it certainly can be both. First and foremost, we have to see what Edson Barbosa looks at at the weigh-ins, because I don't know if you've seen these photos of him mm. uh, in preparation. I mean, he looks shredded. Like, he looks cut like we've never seen him cut before. And we've known that, you know, for quite some time, it's been a difficult cut for him to get to, you know, 145 pounds, shoot, opting to go from 155 to 145, you know, after majority, you know, spending it in the lightweight division. So what is, first and foremost, what is Edson Barbosa uh, going to look like? And then on the other side of the coin, what is Sadiq Youssef going to look like a year removed from his last fight inside the octagon? I mean, this guy is a guy that was a big-time prospect, and when he was finally given an opportunity to showcase that, he lost to another big-time prospect in Arnold Allen. So, like, Sadiq Youssef has beaten the guys that he's supposed to beat, and Edson Barbosa just, you know, the ageist wonder, if you will, at this weight class, you know, impressive against a guy in Billy Q his last time out, albeit the bro Billy Q really isn't, you know, uh, threaten the striking that that Sadiq Yusuf w- would be. So, for me, if, if Sadiq Yusuf is the guy, he's gonna he's gonna dictate the pace, which would be smart. He's gonna have you know the advantage, uh, you know, as the fight progresses, survive that first opening round from Edson Barbosa, and then maybe he could start to take over into the later round. By the way, you were the first one last week to kind of alert me on X, and this is why you should give a follow to all of our uh, people that we have on the show here because you're watching those weights and those weigh-ins closely. And I was on the Alex Morono side, and I believe you tweeted that out. You said, oh, boy, he looks terrible on the scale. And I think that was kind of forecasting a little bit with what happened to Morono in that fight. So this is the type of fight that even if you might lean Yusuf today, you're going to look to see on Friday if that still bears fruit there based on what you see at the scale. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's too many variables with both these guys. A, just Bo Bosa's age, the fact that he, how he's been looking in photos, what's he going to look for this weight cut and B, what does Sadiq Yusuf look like a year removed from it? I do believe this. I do believe that we could see if likely we'll see a finish in this fight. Both of these guys, prolific strikers. Both of these guys carry a lot of power. We know what Edson Barboza can do with the leg kicks, but I do believe it's, it's, it's almost a fight that's not going to end in the first round or two but not going to go to judge a scorecard. So can you play it like a Sadiq Youssef wins round three to start? Mm. Or if you're on the Bobosa side, same thing. I think we get into the, like the middle tier rounds, but we won't see the judge a scorecard. So right now to that point, Jordan, so you think it's probably aligned appropriately. If I'm picking up what you're putting down that three and a half rounds here, even though it's plus money at plus a dollar 25, you think there's some danger in that, that I could even start round three and maybe not get to the halfway point of it. Yeah, ex- exactly, because both these guys, you know, with tremendous amounts of power, we know what kind of finisher Edson Barbosa is, uh, and obviously Sadiq Yusuf, also a guy, you know, that, that has had some knockouts in his UFC and mixed martial arts career, but again, not against upper-tier competition like that is, you know, Edson Barbosa is going to bring, so it's a, it's a unique unique main event, unique opportunity for Yusuf to show where he belongs at 145, and maybe to say to, you know, Edson Barbosa to say, hey, look, 
Don't sleep on me. I still got opportunity to make some noise at 145. It feels like if there was a prop for what would be fight of the night, I wish I could bet that because I think it's going to be Adrian Yanez against Jonathan Martinez. And this fight right now, very closely aligned, potentially three-round banger here uh, at 135 pounds. Do you see this fight ending, or do you think this is one of those rock'em, sock'em robots fight and it might end up hitting the cards? Um, well, I think, I think not rock'em, sock'em robots. I, I think just stylistically, like strategy, like Jonathan Martinez, maybe focusing on the outside, utilizing his leg kicks, Giannis trying to get inside a phone booth and, and scoring a little bit, but, but missing. But look, how has Giannis bounced back after he got absolutely his lights obliterated by Rob Font, mm-hmm. big step up in competition. And certainly, you know, Martinez has looked good. He's won four fights in a row, but we saw against Davey Grant, he was winning that fight handily overhand, right? Lights go out. So yeah. I think certainly it's going to be fight of the night for sure. Um, maybe round of the night would be the Terrence McKinney fight because um, we know how exciting uh, he is. Uh, again, taking <laughs> a guy on short notice, no one's ever heard of before, not a lot of tape on. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Fight of the night for sure, Martinez and Yanez. Got about uh, 30 seconds to go here. Is there another fight on a Tuesday that you think you might find some value, whether it's prelim or, or main card? Well, I think you always have to be you pay attention to Michelle Pajaya. What what round is he going to win on? Is he going to be explosive? And I think he's going to have the advantage against Petrovsky, not be able to be, get taken down, and we could see his hand getting raised. At a dollar fifty-five. I think I see it at one book. Might as well grab that right now. All right, let's just hope he makes weight. Jordan, yes. we appreciate uh, your insight as always, my friend. And again, the unnamed MMA pod there in Chicago. Give it a listen uh, with Adam Abdallah. They do a, a great job. Jordan, appreciate you, my friend. When we come back, we're going up to Boston to catch up with Dan Vrio next here on First Strike. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Start your morning with Vsin Daily Morning Bets. Josh Applebaum gives you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses line movements, injuries, and what you need to be looking at before you make those wagers. So make the Vsin Daily Morning Bets podcast part of your morning routine. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get some podcasts that our next guest is involved with, Daniel Vreeland. We know him as Gumby Vreeland on X. You can see him on Gambling Podcast, Cageside Press, host of Top Turtle MMA, and SGPN MMA, the hardest working man 
in MMA is Dan Vreeland. Dan, great to have you back on, my friend. First and foremost, before we get to the fights that you liked, and I haven't been able to be time permitting, what did you make of Bobby Green's knockout? Because I did not see that coming, a first-round starching of Grant Dawson. It felt like a jab got Grant Dawson out of there. I know he's not good with his hands, but were you surprised by the way this one went down? I was surprised by it, but I think my biggest takeaway was not uh, the power of Bobby Green. I think it was uh, I come out of that questioning what Grant Dawson's chin looks like, Mm -hmm. because if you go back and you look at all of his fights, there's not really a power puncher in there that scares you. You know what I mean? Like he he had a little bit of trouble with Ricky Glenn at one point in time and the power of Ricky Glenn, which in retrospect is, you know, maybe should have been a bigger of alarm for us. But uh, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day. I'm not here ready to say that, like, let's talk about the resurgence of 37-year-old Bobby Green. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ready to sit here and be like, maybe Grant Dawson isn't quite what we cooked him up to be. And certainly should not have been over a $5 betting favorite, as we saw at some places there. So uh, good good on the king. He moves on. But Grant Dawson, you're right. I think some more questions there than on the other side. Okay, when you look at this fight card here, Dan, I want to get uh, the question we love to ask you. The fight you cannot wait to watch. I think I know what the answer is going to be there versus uh, the fight you can't wait to bet. You can start either place, sir. Yeah, I mean, the fight that's most exciting to watch has got to be Jonathan Martinez versus uh, Adrian Yanez. Like, I mean, just like two incredible strikers, guys who will stand toe-to-toe, you know, razor close odds on the books. You know, like, it's got everything that you want out of a fight that's at, you know, at the apex, at the top. This is as exciting as it gets. So I'm excited for that one. My favorite one to bet, and some people are going to call me crazy on this one, I'm really excited to bet Darren Elkins is a massive underdog. Um, You know, and and yes, it's the year of our Lord 2023 and I'm betting Darren Elkins. But the fact of the matter is, it's like TJ Brown has had trouble with guys who can stuff his takedowns and force him to stand with him. And if Darren Elkins stuffs a couple of his takedowns, starts to wear him out. Ain't nobody in the game with better cardio than Darren Elkins. That's a fact. The guy just keeps chugging, chugging along no matter what. And so if he stuffs a few takedowns, makes TJ uh, Brown work a little bit, there's no reason not to love him at almost a two-to-one underdog. So, yeah, give me Darren Elkins all day and twice on Saturday. Okay, to that end, because it's so (laughs) interesting, because I think some think, and I I feel like Darren Elkins is very alive, at least with, so far, our panel here on First Strike, that even if it goes down to the ground, that that might not necessarily be that bad for Darren Elkins. Like, T.J. Brown is supposed to be better there there than Darren Elkins. But if the damage can inflict a little bit of damage, couldn't you see a scenario where a bad shoot by T.J. Brown leaves something exposed possibly for a sub-price too? Yeah, we saw that with, with T.J. Brown too, getting caught in the Jordan Griffin uh, Marcella team. Like, he, he wound up getting caught in a, you know, he was in top half guard, almost side control, and he wound up getting submitted by Jordan Griffin. And for me... I don't think necessarily that Elkins will fall into that because Elkins isn't the type of guy who like jumps on a guillotine that he clearly doesn't have ah. um, or, or goes really after it. I do think his submission skills are really high, but I think you usually see him from the top game. I think probably the biggest issue here, if TJ Brown starts shooting bad takedowns or starts getting tired is a bad shot will lead to a big sprawl and then ground and pound on top for, for Elkins. So I'm probably staying away from him on the sub price but inside the distance is probably worth a look for me because I, I do think, you know, Darren Elkins has always got the chance to get anybody out of there. His price is already good, so you might want to sprinkle a little on that extra piece. Um, but, yeah, like he, he definitely could finish T.J. Brown here. Love it. So, again, inside the distance uh, for the damage would be plus 365. 
KOTK or DQ. Just throwing it out there. 10 to 1. 10 to 1 on the damage. It's so, it's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely is. Okay, let's get back because sometimes the obvious fight is the correct choice, as you mentioned, for the fight you can't wait to watch with Jonathan Martinez against Adrian Yanez. So Yanez coming off a bad loss back in there against a guy that technically with Jonathan Martinez, just really fun to watch. I, I think the track plan here is Yanez has to try to get inside a little bit, even though they have the same uh, reach there at 70 inches. But you would think he wants to get inside. Martinez maybe is keeping more distance. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think at the bottom line is Yanez has to force him to trade with him. Yeah. Because the, if he stays on the outside and he, he picks apart and tries to, like, you know, play a counter-striking game, he's going to get outworked by Jonathan Martinez, and he's not going to land as much. But the fact of the matter is, is I think Yanez does go for it. I think that's ultimately what was his problem was against Rob Font. And it's it was almost his problem against Randy Costa. Like, if you want to talk about times he's run into issues. And I don't think it's a problem against Jonathan Martinez. If he does run in there, get a little careless, try to turn this into a brawl. Jonathan Martinez is not a knockout artist. We're talking about this guy being on a five-fight winning streak. And when you look at those five fights he won... He only finished like an aging Cub Swanson and mm. it was with a kick. It's not even with his hands. So if Adrian Yanez forces him to get in there and box, you know, Yanez obviously coming off that loss to Rob Font, a little bit alarming, but he had four out of five wins in a row at, were by knockout. And the only one that was, it was Davy Grant, who's got a hell of a chin. So if you're telling me we got two guys who are going to stand and bang for 15 minutes, I'm going to take the guy with the KO power nine times out of 10, especially when the odds are this close. So if you look at it, Danny, for, for both pathways to victory, maybe Adrian inside the distance or KO prop, Martinez via decision, because Martinez via decision is plus 275. Adrian, KOTKRDQ, to your line of thinking, is plus $2. W would you look at those, at those juicier plus numbers, or just take Giannis here uh, to win the fight and, again, almost at even money? You know, I think if you were looking to play Yanez by knockout, I, I think you'd probably want to sprinkle on the decision prop on the other side of it, just to make sure that you cover your bases, mm -hmm. you know, cut some of your, your losses if, if that does happen. Because I think if Yanez does win, it's going to be by catching Jonathan Martinez. We've seen Jonathan Martinez drop not that long ago, and I think that that's a good sign that he's got the ability to put him away. Because let's face it, Yanez seems to have the ability to put anybody away if he gets a hold of you. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if you are going to play the KO prop side of it, for sure, definitely sprinkle on the other side of it. But I also just don't mind the price, you know, being almost even money on Yanez in the first place. You know, we've got a spider uh, that's going to fight on this card. And no, it's not Anderson Silva, people, but it is Ashley Yoder. Uh, she's going to be back in there to, to begin this fight card against Emily Dakota. And she is a huge, huge underdog here, plus 285 on Yoder. Is there anything uh, early on in this prelim card? Does that fight have any juice for you? Or do you think this is the fave all the way? And there's a reason why she's almost a $4 betting favorite. You know, I'm a little hesitant to lay that much juice on Emily Ducati, who's who's not looked good right. in her last two fights in the UFC. But I will say it makes sense that she's this big of a favorite because, first of all, huge layoff for Ashley Yoder. Massive concern for me. Second thing is Ducati beat a fighter like Ashley Yoder. In fact, one that just does what Ashley Yoder does slightly better in Jessica Penne. And she did it by stuffing the takedowns, forcing her to stand with her. And, and I've never really seen Ashley Yoder beat anybody who could force her to fight that kind of fight. So, I, I mean, she has to impose her ground game in order to, for her to have any value here. And I just don't see enough of that, uh, especially in the way that, that Ducat dealt with Jessica Penne. So 
I think it's favorite here, but I am hesitant to pull the trigger on somebody who's on a two-fight losing streak and didn't look good in either of them. All right, speaking of big favorites, Goots is back in here. Chris Gutierrez is back in the octagon over a $3 betting favorite. A guy that traditionally I like to back here, but again, at this price, is it too big a price tag for you? It's a little bit too big. I'm probably going to look for props come around fight time for, uh, you know, the best ways to make Gutierrez look a little bit better. I can see this one going the distance. Haile Alatang, not the easiest dude to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So I will say, you know, like I, I think he's just too fast. I think he puts too much volume on there. I like his all around game. Alatang does have a little bit of wrestling. So that's also probably why he survives here. Like I, I could definitely see Gutierrez winning two out of three rounds and Alatang just like kind of laying on him for one. So yeah, I, I like Gutierrez here. The price, not great unless you're looking for props or, you know, over-unders and things like that. Very quickly, let me get your thoughts on Cameron Simon back in there against Christian Rodriguez. Rodriguez minus $1.62 I'm seeing here right now. Simon, the comeback plus $1.36. Do we have a live dog scenario here? You know, I'm not a big Cameron Simon fan. Mm. Uh, I I think he's won a lot of fights, and he's kind of just not looked what I think everybody else is seeing. I'm not seeing. Um, uh, Even his fight on Contender Series, I didn't think he looked as good as people were talking about. I do think, though, that there's value on him, and the reason is is just because I think C-Rod is being bet up based on that Rosas fight, and I think we all know Rosas just ran out of gas in that fight. Like, Rosas probably beats him, you know, eight times out of ten here. And I think he's getting in a little extra rub that way. So I might want it to come down before I bet C-Rod. But I do think C-Rod is slightly better. But the, the value is just not there at that price right now. 20 seconds to go, Dan. How are people handling the Patriots start to the season? Oh, badly. Very badly. But you'll notice the Troy Aikman picture up here. Uh, I'm handling the season okay except for this last week. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Cowboy Nation. It was not pretty what we saw in San Francisco. Dan, appreciate appreciate you as always, my friend. Cash and tickets. We'll see you next week here on First Strike. Going to go to Washington, D.C. next to catch up with Reed Coon. Come on back. It is First Strike on V.C. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. We are going to Washington, D.C. to catch up with Reed Kuhn. You can follow him on X at Fightnomics. He's the author of a book of the same name. And, Reed, I've been asking everybody because obviously Jordan Sherwood comes to us from Chicago. 
and Bears fans are just so excited they got their first win in forever. How are the uh, D.C. fan base doing there with the football team? First of all, with the ownership change, we're on a long leash. Yeah, that team is going to get some free credits from us for a while just uh-huh. because we're done with the Dan Snyder era. Uh, but eventually they, they do need to look a little tighter. So, you know, we got to rebound from this. They've been up or down. They got a young quarterback. We'll see where it goes. I like the fact that you're preaching patience there for everybody watching DC. Just relax. At least you, you got a new owner. So things are looking up. Uh, the models certainly like a lot of what they're seeing because we've got a lot of veterans that are going to be in this card this weekend. Let's start off with the main event here with Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, uh, right now against Edson Barbosa. And I, I know that Edson Barbosa is somebody traditionally that I like to back as a favorite. Watched that fight in Chicago moons ago against Abid Ramagamedov where he just would not quit no matter how much damage uh, he took that given night. What do you make at Edson now that at 37, though? The models, I'm, I'm going to guess, like the 30-year-old here in Sadiq Yusuf. Yeah, I, I I do lean with the younger fighter here. Um, but to your point, you know, Edson Bar- Barboza, you know what you're getting with him. The guy offensively is just very impressive. He's got crazy striking arsenal, uh, a lot of power, and he's very he fights very long range, and he is going to have a range advantage in this fight. And offense is not something that declines with age the way defense does. With defense, you're worried about fast twitch and reaction speed. And eventually, your just ability to take a punch. Those are what go downhill and affect you as an older fighter. I, I think he's getting close to that point. I mean, he's you know now pushing 38. Uh, so it's the defensive liability that makes me lean slightly towards the favorite here. But it's not a big lean. I don't expect the line to get out of control here. I think it's going to remain tight because I simply haven't seen a lot from Yusuf. He's also been gone for a while, about a year. And so I'm interested to see how he gets back in there. But he is the younger, fresher guy. He hasn't taken much damage. And so if he can survive on the feet, he's also got a little bit more of a ground game to exploit. So that's where it gets more into the chess match. But I'm definitely not going to go big on this main event because, to your point, I I have a lot of respect for Barboza. As do I. But again, styles do make fights. And when you've got a guy like Yusuf right now, four-inch reach disadvantage, and we know Edson wants to keep that space, I think you just hit on something there that maybe the track plan might not be to to stand. It might be to try to take this fight down to the ground, and we know that's not where Barbosa necessarily wants this fight fight to play out. Do you look at any of the props here for the Yusuf side if you have a small lean towards the favorite and say, okay, three and a half is where this this round prop sits at plus $1.25. Does Does he want to take this longer into the night against the older guy and try to wear him out? What do the models show there potentially for Yusuf as a as a favorite here to potentially find some plus money on the on the favorite side? If if he's going to use the ground game as his primary advantage, then you do think that stretches the fight along because it's not that Barboza is incompetent on the mat. He he does have credentials as a grappler. He's just not effective as a wrestler. And so there's a difference between submissions and wrestling. And I think uh, Sadiq would have an advantage there, but not necessarily one he can exploit very quickly for a submission. I don't I don't see Barboza going down easy. So I do think if you're leaning with Yusuf, you're you're probably going to go the owner the over 3.5 is in the middle there. Um, at least it's not 4.5 because mm. you never know about a late finish if one of them is starting to get worn down. 
but I, I'm probably going to avoid that one. If I play Yusuf at all, it's going to be money line. I love the fact that sometimes the models, whether or not you have a lean towards a fighter, might say that at a certain price point, they're still not, the value is not there. And that's sometimes your models can extract that. I look at Chris Gutierrez as over a $3 betting favorite. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. I want to back him in this spot. Do the models show that he's still a value play even as over a $3 betting favorite? Yeah, in this case, they do. And I think it's the stand-up metrics that are diametrically opposed here. We've got Gutierrez with advantages in almost every single metric. He is definitely the harder hitter. He's a very hard hitter for Bantamweight. He's also very accurate, and he has good defense. So he's technically sound while also offering more power threat. And Alatengi has worse defense, less offense, and not enough of a ground game to make me believe that he could play that wild card and get it to the ground and survive three rounds there. Uh, Alatengi only only spends about 8% of his fight time controlling people on the mat. Gutierrez actually has above average takedown defense because I think as a good striker, he has to have good defense defense. He has to know how to keep the fight standing. So I do see this as more of a lopsided matchup, um, probably the most on this card mm. in terms of backing a heavy favorite. So I'm not surprised that the steam was with him. Maybe a parlay builder there for Goots at uh, right now, 298. We have seen it uh, north of $3 uh, earlier in the week. Uh, maybe the fight of the night. It feels like it's going to be Jonathan Martinez against Adrian Yanez. And this feels like we're going to get a banger here if this fight stays standing. What are the models showing you? Because I, I get the feeling that Martinez wants to be more on the outside. Yanez wants to be more on the inside here. Uh, how, do, how do the models break down this fight? Uh, yeah, this is another banger. And also at Bantamweight, also two very gifted strikers. And so statistically, they are very similar. I think Yanez has a little bit busier of a pace, but that comes at the trade-off of eating more punches. And so I, I think if I, I would lean towards Martinez um, as nearly a coin flip in terms of uh, I see value and plus money, right? So they, they stack up very similarly in terms of the striking metrics. Uh, neither one of them is particularly eager to go to the ground. So I see Martinez as holding his own and maybe getting, you know, maybe being the first one to land that big shot. There are 12 career knockdowns between these two guys. And Yanez uh, has done it in less time, but not necessarily the same number of strikes. So I actually see some enough advantages with Martinez mm. as having better defense, uh, just as much of a threat of power. They're the same age, same size. So if you're going to give me plus money on an otherwise very similar matchup, I'll go with the plus money. Do you see a lot of finishing potential? Because right now the marketplace is saying the under two and a half is juiced at minus $1.50. If you think it can be rock'em, sock'em robots and maybe sleepwalk your way somehow to a decision, you can get plus money right now over two and a half at plus $1.20. Do, do, do the models show finishing potential with the power these guys have? There's a lot of power and they are not in, you know, they're not invincible. Okay. These guys have taken their own damage over the years. They've suffered five total knockdowns among them, even though they've delivered 12 and with the inability to go to the ground, that's 15 minutes of slugfest between dangerous strikers. I think someone goes down in this fight. I'm just trying to bank on Martinez being the first one to, to deliver the big punch. So I would probably lean the under um, I see. Yeah, I, I think I see more finishing potential here than if this were more of a mixed matchup with a ground game.
Martinez right now, by the way, on the KO prop, KOTKRDQ is 3-1 to one, uh, if you do see some finishing potential there. Uh, you mentioned damage, and then, of course, that makes me think of Darren Elkins, who's back on this fight card here. And he is a bleeder. We all know it. We even put it on the graphic because that's just who Darren Elkins is. Against TJ Brown, it feels like the fun fight of the night. I don't know how much fun it's going to be for these two guys here, but you got a lot of data on these guys, both north of 30, Darren almost at 40. Uh, what are the models showing you here? Do we have a live dog in Darren Elkins? I have backed him as a dog before because of that grinder personality that he has. Um, but this is an uphill battle. It seems like against TJ Brown, uh, TJ Brown, significantly younger. Uh, he has much better offensive accuracy. So when they are trading, it's going to be Elkins. that's eating a lot more damage. And I guess that's his whole thing. That's the tattoo. That's his, the way he fights <laughs> is to eat a lot of punches, but you can't keep doing that at the age of 39 and just taking all of these punches. I think at some point I looked it up. I think he's maybe in the top 10 list of, you know, total damage taken cumulative in his career, 319 minutes of octagon time. He has definitely eaten his share and more. Uh, and so you can't do that against a younger, very accurate striker in TJ Brown. And on the ground, they're basically identical. Maybe Elkins has a slight edge if he turns it into a wrestling match, uh, but he doesn't necessarily always fight to his best strength. Yeah. And I didn't know when he got the tattoo, if it was necessary. We all know who you are. Anybody who's watched the sport knows that you are the damage. That is for sure. Uh, one on the dog side that maybe the models are showing is Viviani Araujo in the co-main event against Jennifer Maya. Right now, she's a smaller dog at plus $1.24. Uh, one a year older than Maya, but both these women right there basically looking at it in a mirror here. And she does have a four-inch reach advantage here uh, at 68 inches. Uh, what style of fight do we think we see here? Because we know Maya wants to stand and trade. We know Maya wants to stand and trade, except that Vivian is actually a more accurate striker by a long shot. Um, she has superior accuracy, arguably more power, because Maya has been in the cage a long time and yet has not recorded a single knockdown in her entire career in the UFC. So uh, facing a reach differential with Vivian, um, I see enough on the stand-up to believe that Vivian can hold her own as a dog. And then also on the grappling side, she's more likely to take this to the ground. She has more experience there. She has good control, good solid metrics of ground grappling. And so that's both levels right there. I mean, I, I've got enough to warrant her on the feet. And if she gets into any trouble whatsoever, she has the ground game to, as a backup. So I do see some upset potential here. I don't think I'm going to get a, a ton of return um, in the price, but this is a dog that I'll play. Halloween is approaching and the bar is well stocked. Reed, we see that. Thank you for your expertise. As always, also want to thank Britton Hess and Rob Moreno for doing a great job putting this show together. Cash and tickets. We'll see you next week right here. It is First Strike on Visa. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. 
You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.